Ah, what a rough day being a podcaster. Good thing I get to come home from the long days of editing the sound quality of my hectic and busy life in the streets to the calm and cool solace that is my bathroom. Now to innocently wash my face, dry it with a nice soft towel. Ah, doesn't that feel nice? And... Finally, to gaze at my reflection, which will surely be the same visage I see each and every- Oh my god, who are you? (laughs) What a silly question. I'm you, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, asshole actor, tepid teacher, and self-hating podcaster extraordinaire. But that can't be. I'm me, and hating myself is kind of my thing. Boy, don't I know it. But is is the wrong tense. Was is more apropos. Am I crazy? No one talks like that anymore. It's not 1408. Are you some kind of hallucination? No, I'm the real thing. This is some Dolby Real D HD 3D bullshit, bud. But let's cut the crap. I'm here to replace you. Replace me? But without me, where would would nightcaps at the theater even be? Um, maybe three hours and one drunk Barney the Dinosaur knockoff shorter? I don't see the big deal. Besides, podcasting is the pits. Why would you ever want to do that to yourself anyway? Let me take over. You're crazy. Get out. Who the hell are you? I told you. Can't you tell? I'm the real Jonathan. (laughs) Anyways, I'm bored and you're getting in my way. Time to say I do. No, please stop this. You don't have to worry. A podcaster's always protected by their fans, at least I think that's what they say all the time. Please, Jonathan, it's you, isn't it? You need to wake up. No, I'm the real Jonathan. And you, well, you're old news. Please, no, what are you doing? Oh, 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 God, no, oh, uh, strangling me, oh, can't breathe. Uh, Rosebud. Tonight on Nightcaps at the Theater, anime kicks off with Satoshi's Kone's psychological masterpiece, Perfect Blue. Oh, a word of caution before we start. Never meet your idols. Your heart goes thump, 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 thump when you're in love, but then it pays off, pays off when you're loved back. my eyes and I see that juicy hot meat. Oh. Mm. 
Don't get smoke in your eye. I don't even. That's don't, not the only thing I'm worried about getting in my eye at that barbecue. I don't even need to be at the grill for my dad to give me some juicy hot meat. Oh <laughs> uh, well, and we're back. We're back. You are not, in fact, at a barbecue. You are, in fact, listening to the latest episode of Nightcaps at the Theater. I am. Um, what do we say to the god of death? Please, just do it already, Jonathan Kwiatkowski. I'm your uh, ASMR-ridden Mark Zebro Jr. And I am your... So, Game of Thrones, I'm pretty sure, is just within the same canon as Chernobyl, and all the dragons were just a result of that accident. And the whole thing's like a fever dream. Cabrera. Mm. I, I was going to like say nanomachines. Mm, <laughs> Micromachines? No. Micromachines! Micromachines! <laughs> <laughs> if they were the dragons instead, that'd be way better. Yeah, my, my other uh, possible nickname was Jerker. <laughs> but... Too yeah. soon. <laughs> Just kidding. Who cares? Um, anyways, you've caught us in the start of our anime. Eat the cake, anime! Eat the cake! Mmm. <laughs> About to be Anna June. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, that's tradition. <laughs> and then we pick a month and we're already three months behind the schedule, but you get the drift. We started in May. Oh, yeah. Um. Anyways, we're going to take an anime movie where we each pick and we're going to discuss it as a family, as friends. Aww. Thank you for being a friend. friend. Oh, the greatest anime of all, the Golden Girls. <laughs> Ooh, they Can't should wait. make an anime. Uh, Amazing World of Gumball actually has a whole episode with Golden Girls, the direct characters in the episode. Wow. Wow. B. Wow. Arthur, um, Betty Nobody White, Rue McClanahan. That's on like Cartoon Network. Right? I got it. Whoa, what do you yeah. mean? <laughs> Estelle Getty, I all of them. I kind of like that show. It's I fun. I love it. Oh, Amazing World Gumball? Yeah. Yeah, I like it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like... Um, well, he won't like what I like more. But oh, I, I did like Adventure Time too. Oh no, I, I like Adventure Time. I was going to bring up the other one that you know. I oh yeah, we don't. Yeah. We don't have the time. I don't want to speak in front of that. You know that in front of you. But anyways, <laughs> my picks first. I got a few hints. All the right. first hint, and Matt knows, so he's not guessing. So these hints are aimed at you, the audience, and you, Mark Zebro Jr. Well, actually, Me? before we get started, <laughs> oh, I'm God. gonna I'm gonna slip something to Mark under the table. You can't see what it is. Don't look at it. But is you that, can bring it out when I say wait reveal it. Is that your magic rod? <laughs> this, this is it's a, the barbecue. It's a piece of hot meat. It's a little, it's a little magic trick. Dad, is that you? So here you go. Right, no, oh, peeking no, oh, no peeking. Oh, no peeking. Just take that in your hands. Oh, I, I feel some... This will oh. really suck if it's not the same movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> I hope it's candy. Oh, damn. I forgot the braille. <laughs> He's reading it. So my hints were, That's first... Oh, well, this is definitely a new copy. <laughs> well... I feel the plastic. First hint, don't meet your idols. Mm. Second hint, without this film, there would be no Black Swan. Mm. Uh, that's literally why... Third hint, 1997. <laughs> what the hell? I'll give you another one if you need it. I, I'll Another one. Another one? How much would you pay for it? <laughs> would you give me a hamburger today for a hint today? <laughs> no deal. <laughs> All right. Um... Satoshi Kon directed this movie. All right, so it is anime. It is anime. <laughs> it is eat the cake anime. It doesn't have to be. My first choice was uh, Disney's Fantasia, but um, oh, okay. I was on the fence between these two. I thought that'd be really weird and cerebral, though, where we're all reviewing classical music set to animation. And this isn't. This isn't. It. Well, this is weird, but in a different stream. So Satoshi Kon. Don't meet your idols. Don't meet your idols. 1997. 1997. Without well, this film, no Black Swan. 
That's literally why I chose it. I know. I was hoping to surprise you. I, you can't I, surprise me. I should have known. I know. Damn. I don't... Would I know this? Do you know that Satoshi Kon also directed Tokyo Godfathers? So it's another one of his movies that isn't Tokyo Godfathers. Okay, so I, I, I know I haven't seen it, but okay. I think I know what it is. All right. Is this Paprika? It is not Paprika, mm, but you're, mm. you're getting there. Yeah. You're along the lines. You've done more better than most. I can't believe we chose the same movie. <laughs> I still can't believe oh, that. Oh, uh... No, I don't know what this All is. All right, well, why don't you take out the reveal and reveal what we're watching today? Mm. <gasps> we're watching Perfect Blue. Perfect uh, Blue. There it is. A seminal anime classic. I know almost nothing about this movie. Good. This was uh, Satoshi Kon's first animated directed movie. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I have some information for you now. <laughs> um, Roger William Corman, American director, producer, and actor who has been called the Pope of Pop Cinema and is known as a trailblazer in the world of independent film, stated that Perfect Blue is a startling and powerful film. If Alfred Hitchcock partnered with Walt Disney, they'd make a picture like this. <laughs> uh, Perfect Blue is a 1997 animated mystery slash thriller directed by the late great Satoshi Kon, film director, screenwriter, mangaka, and animator. Known for his film and anime series including Millennium Actress, which is my personal favorite Kon film, but the DVD copy is out of print and it goes for about 60 bucks for the DVD oh, copy. Wow. So I, I would have chosen that, but I could not get a handle on it. This one was just re-released in, uh, in March, which is so that's good. Appropriate timing for me and Matt apparently, who picked the same movie as me. I really, uh, I was hoping you hadn't seen it, but I thought it was a possibility you had seen it. But to pick it for the same month, that's mm-hmm. that's low odds. I know. Uh, Tokyo Godfathers, which Mark has seen before, yeah. Paprika, and the anime series Paranoia Agent. Um, he made his debut as a manga artist in 1984 with Toriko while he was still in college. Afterwards, he wrote the script for the live-action film World Apartment Horror, animation by Momoro Oshii's Pat Labor 2, the movie, Rojin Z, and the short film Magnetic Rose. His personal style was a unique look at blending fantasy with real elements. So you get that blend between fantasy and reality. Is this real? Is this fantasy? I don't know. In 1997, Kon began work on Perfect Blue, which was based on Yoshikazu Takeuchi's novel of the same name. Originally, Perfect Blue was supposed to be a live-action direct-to-video series, but after the 1995 Kobe earthquake damaged the production studio, it was decided that the film should be animated instead. Oh, wow. Cohen was originally very unsatisfied with being tied down with the source material, and was allowed free range of the screenplay with uh, Sadayuki Morai, as long as they kept three main principles intact. One, idol culture. So think pop idols in Japan during this time period. What are we going to see about them? Two, horror. It must be horror. And three, it must have a stalker within it. So the stalker <laughs> element must be pre- uh, prevalent in this film. All three are still intact. I kind of really like that approach. I feel like more films should follow that. What? It's just like horror taking stalker. basic principles yeah. instead of having to like do beat for beat, like every yeah. single thing. I like that. And it, he was allowed to take the source material and kind of adapt it as long as he just kept the basic, you know, yeah, it's pretty ingredients. Cool. Um, the film was a huge critical success and showed up on many film festivals and proved to be a key ignition to Cohen's illustrious career. It made Time's list of top five anime and Terry Gilliam's top 50. Cohen was a fan of Terry Gilliam, along with a few others. Uh, a live action version of Perfect Blue was filmed in 2002. I haven't seen and nor would I want to see it. Um, the film also inspired Madonna to incorporate clips of the film during her What It Feels Like for a Girl section of her Drown Tour in 2001. 
Cohn and Darren Aronofsky of Mother Black Swan and Requiem of a Dream fame were big fans of each other's work. So they really supported each other throughout their career. And when you hear the name Darren Aronofsky, it always makes me think of like this old Russian filmmaker, but he's just like a New York hipster. Yeah. Like literally. I'm like, that's not that doesn't match, but then it figures, right? He I I don't know, I love him both. He's uh, enough of a New York hipster for Jennifer Lawrence to go out with him. Hey oh yeah. <laughs> too soon. Don't bring her up. Cohn <laughs> uh, died too soon in August 2010 at the age of 46 from terminal pancreatic cancer while filming one of his other movies still to be incompleted, Dreaming Machine. Um, in the last year of his life, he stayed out of the public eye and kept his condition secret from the press and his fans and only informed his closest family and friends. Hmm. It was sad partly to, uh, it was said partly to be due because cancer ravened his body in such a way that he didn't want to put any stress or worry on the people that he cared about or his fan base. So he said, I'm going to hide myself away from the world instead. Uh, Darian Aronofsky wrote his eulogy and featured in Time's, uh, Fond farewell for that year. So it just proves that the connection between these two artists, you know, oh, they yeah. both inspired each other. His last film, Dreaming Machine, has been in limo, limbo, not limo, in limbo with some saying to leave it unfinished or continue Cohn's journey by completing it. No one's really decided or taken up the mantle yet. Maybe Darren Aronofsky. Maybe. Uh, but he's never done an anime. <laughs> I mean, Mother does play out like an anime and Black Swan is anime-esque, but you know I'm going to pick Black Swan so we can hear these later on down the line. But um, Cohn's legacy and animation and his cerebral look in blending fantasy in the real world will always be remembered for Perfect Blue's look into the female viewpoint, identity, voyeurism, and consumer performance critique in modern Japan. So that's my opening notes. Any initial thoughts? Have we seen? Are we familiar? I mean, I'm familiar with his work. You know, I I grew up with paranoia agents and being traumatized by it yes. there's actually a like I, I plugged him before but there's a youtuber by the name of chase face who has a retrospective on that show and and really dives into um cone's uh, work uh mm-hmm. as a filmmaker and uh and just in terms of like expressionism and how he really like really focuses on like unique scenes and uh the atmosphere of what he's trying to evoke there so yeah. uh no i i know next to nothing about this movie so i'm i'm excited to dive right in uh That's great you're gonna with, have a fun time yeah that's yeah. awesome by the way mark that copy is yours what yeah, yeah. oh you got, got a gift I've got too. my own at home yeah also uh, uh tokyo godfathers is is just a it's it's such a nice movie yeah. I, I i i dig it uh, it's been a while since i've seen it and, uh, i think that that is far more comedic than what we're gonna watch tonight but it, it shares the same style yeah yeah <laughs> we'll see you might find it funny mm-hmm. you might be that sick twisted mind yeah but also uh, <laughs> uh are we watching uh english or japanese dub we're watching the japanese dub okay Woo. <laughs> There's only one way to watch this. <laughs> Even though Wendy Lee, who's a popular anime voice actress, does voice one of the main characters in this, but yeah. we're watching the Japanese dub. <laughs> my house, my rules, <laughs> my anime. <laughs> Matt, were you familiar with this movie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you heard it here, folks. I chose it. <laughs> you chose um, it. But why? Well, it, it was actually just maybe, it was a year ago, I think. Wow, you're like making. a year and a half ago, maybe. Uh, a friend of it recommended it to me. She was like, "Hey, this apparently like inspired Black Swan," and I was like, "Oh, 
I know where the, what I'm <laughs> going to use me. this for. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, but you got got. Uh, this is revenge for Heather's, isn't it? It is. Oh. How dare you? Beat me to it. Yeah. Way back in episode two, those were the days. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm actually not too familiar with the rest of Khan's work. I think I've seen parts of Paprika. Mm-hmm. Um, don't think I've seen Tokyo Godfathers, Ooh. but I like this one a lot, and so um, I I want to check out more, and especially what uh, Mark was bringing up with the. YouTube analysis of yeah. his work. Yeah, so let's get ready. The Pop Idol show is just about to begin. Let's <laughs> cheer for Cham, shall we? Go, go, Cham! Yay! Woo! <laughs> Woohoo! Woo! Yahoo! <laughs> yes! <Stop! Wait. laughs> So no doubt. Was that no doubt? They're yeah. still around. No, okay, that was the cardigans. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I always thought that was no doubt for It forever. does sound very similar, you right? Mean, you I mean know. this cardigan? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> no, not exactly. Gentlemen, what did we just watch? What did we just watch? I don't know. <laughs> Mark doesn't know. It's not my pick. <laughs> uh, we watched uh, Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue, and we were drinking a deep blue sea. <laughs> Which was essentially a vodka cranberry. And it was, sure was blue, right, guys? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally didn't mess up my drink for the choice of the episode. It was as blue as the sea. Well, let's say even if you had messed up, there was a lot fit. of red. It would have fit. And there's red for a reason when we get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of color symbolism in this movie. But um, any initial thoughts before we get into the dissecting the plot or uh, mystery that is perfect blue? I, I will say that it, it didn't take too long for me to put together the uh, Darren Aronofsky uh, inspirations yeah. here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Since or, the two were lovers, it only makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cone X Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. Mm. A match made in heaven. Uh, well, I've seen this movie a few times already, and I'm still not quite sure what it's. I'm not gonna say what it's about because I kind of, I think I know what it's about, but I don't know what the message it's yeah. trying to get across is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's like meant to be like spoon fed to you. It's like I, yeah. thing. my assumption is just like image, you yeah. know, and then like uh, it goes a little bit further on, like with the idea of like your persona, like or like uh, your self being or. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that 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 that's as close as I can get to a theme uh, for uh, for the film as a whole. I think it, there's a lot of like artistry, like what it takes to be an artist and what it means to like feel self fulfilled versus like being fulfilled in the public eye. Yeah. yeah, that's what I take away from it a little bit. Yeah, it's about like expectations, like what you expect of yourself, <laughs> and you know, it's psychological with a little more <laughs> murder and stuff thrown in there <laughs> for fun for shigs. 
But uh, we opened the film on a Sentai show, which is a big Japanese pastime. Ooh, it's and, like Power Rangers. Well, it's supposed right. to be Power Rangers. It's okay. like people dressed up in costumes performing for what should be children, but in fact it's all grown men yeah. just watching mm. this Sentai show in preparation for their pop idols to be performing. So it was meant to... Um, basically compare the stagnant reaction of the crowd during the Sentai show versus how frantic they get when their idol is performing mm. and how men, you know, they have little control over their own desires is the thing, right? Yeah. They call those otakus. Yes, otakus. <laughs> which, I, I mean, I don't like to use dirty words like weeboo and otakus on this podcast, but on anime, it's not a mistake. <laughs> those words run like pure wine. Oh, yeah. Literally. Part and parcel. Um, so we pan to different men discussing the main band or uh, pop idol group that they're discussing, Cham, um, their success in great detail, and there's four street toughs who apparently got really rowdy at a previous show. And Cohn liked to balance the use of color in his movie, especially red and blue in this film, and it's assumed hmm. that whenever there's red on screen, and there's tons of it, so I don't know what you take of this, but it's Mima's reality that's what he said like okay. the red signifies the reality of the situation be it like reality in what she's imagining or reality in existing yeah. in the current day as weird as it is I never made a movie so metaphysical yeah. reality yeah but um, there's a nice balance between that and when these four real men are discussing this pop group's like oh they're gonna fail like one's going on to acting I don't think they should do it yeah. it's lacquered in red so it's meant to be like this is a real world opinion that okay. it's not like the good stuff like not the gooey center but the harsh reality of the right. situation interesting okay. um and i said use of red pop out throughout the film uh, life is a bit faded out in comparison to the fantasy sequences too which are really sharp there are times of this movie when the reality will be a bit dulled out but fantasy will be clear in focus and it's used for that fact to to blend what Khan wants you to think is really happening versus what Mima thinks is happening. Hmm. So it's extremely confusing. Uh-huh. But I, before going forward, I really want to appreciate the cuts he uses. Oh, yeah. Because it's one of my favorite it parts keeps of you it. really guessing up <laughs> yeah. until the end what's real and what's fake in the character's mindset. All the transitions are yeah. fantastic. From like a clap on the back in one situation to a pan around. It's a different hand on your shoulder. Yeah. I, there, there's tons of them in this, and I would rewatch it just for that. Yeah, masterful. Mm-hmm. Um, Cham's members are frantically getting nervous and getting ready for Rumi Haidaka band and Mima Kagoe's manager watches on. So Rumi is uh, Mima's manager, not Cham's manager, just the solo act of Rumi. Mm-hmm. And she's just concerned that she'll do well. Cham performs for getting their nerves. And we get this opening shot which parallels Mima's kind of tawdry lifestyle versus that of being a pop idol and mark questioned like wouldn't she be richer if she was a pop idol in japan yeah to which i replied pop idols get paid shit that's why there's so many of them well they never made it to the top 100 either that they weren't like the best but there's so many so the competition is so thick that they do these you know mall gigs like that's something like i'm self-aware of where it's uh you know they they groom like pop idols uh, like a young age to be like the next big thing they're not actively like seeking out people who have talent they're just trying to make people like into talented uh uh folk i i assume yeah it's 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 almost like a nine to five gig (laughs) and a much more extreme level so I can get that. Yeah. Kind of like Disney Channel or Nickelodeon. <laughs> exactly. That would be all, our closest parallel, you know, I think. All launching pads. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Mima thinks that she should be acting, not singing, but the world thinks otherwise. 
And uh, Rumi wants her to do both, but producers insist that her schedule is too full. She'll have to choose one or the other. And we meet the stalker Mimania, who <laughs> is drawn in typical stalker fashion. Which does he work for? Because he's he wearing, does a lot he, of he's, things. He's wearing he's wearing a garb like because he's like close, he's close to the stage and everything. So that's that was my assumption. I I think that he's big enough to be considered menacing so getting a security job is easy for him and that's kind of how he manipulates his positions and also he has a little someone helping him out in the long run of things which we'll get to later yeah um but this guy is creepy to a t oh yeah and he's meant to symbolize like kind of the otaku gun ride or the weeaboo culture the obsessive culture um first time i saw this i thought maybe the movie because i knew it was like supposed to be psychological i thought maybe the movie was Trying to mis- misdirect us, yeah. actually. Yeah, be I can like, see that. You know, draw him a certain way to be menacing and creepy, but maybe he ends up being like somewhat good down the line. And, but then you yeah. see a scene with like him at his computer with like a shrine of <laughs> oh yeah Mimo posters surrounding him, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the Which, this is a villain. I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but there was like a, a, a straight line going down the middle of the mm-hmm. screen. Yeah, and, and, I mean, we're we're go- I'm going a little bit too far into it already, mm-hmm. but like I wasn't sure like what was that supposed to evoke a straight line yeah, yeah. like there it's was like a, there was like a line. white thin line that went down the first time you see him in his room and he's mouthing the words on the uh hmm. Mi- mima's uh, room i didn't see it but i would guess it's like some more mirror symbology possibly that's what i would yeah. guess i'm not sure what that was either quite yeah honestly. i didn't see the, the white line i have yeah. to check my blu-ray copy now <laughs> i don't know but um and I was originally thinking that Mimania would get kind of a redemption the first time I saw it too, mm. because he does defend the concert from these street toughs yeah, who are yeah. assumed to be like eighteen year olds that are drinking at this pop idol concert and throwing drinks and getting rowdy, and it's not the first time they've done it either because we we hear the the locals talking about how those guys always mess up the performances, right? Yeah, and he does confront them and gets the crap beat out of him, but then turns around and is just a okay when figure, he a blessing. Well, yeah. you find out that it's because he has a kind of an agenda. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> the whole but, reason he's there but, yeah. and willing to take those those licks. Uh, it wasn't until like a point where it's like, is this is this guy real? Like that, that's, that, that's yeah, and I could feel that too. Like I wasn't sure if like this was a part of her own psyche until yeah. like maybe a little bit later on to the film. And but, I think it could be, but the the later in the film, the latter of the film, kind of reveals that he was a real person. Yeah, but you could take this movie so many different ways. Yeah, and that's what I appreciate about it. <laughs> like, there's no clear cut answer unless you want to find one or make one up on your own. Um, but. He breaks up this fight, and I put down that uh, Mima makes a Selena of herself and does, like, you know, the beady beady bum bum shh, you're pressing up against the gate. I'm a big Selena fan, just so you know. <laughs> well, we might watch that again on this podcast. It's been a while. Ah, Selena. Ah, this bumper put up by Selena's boss. Oh, she, she looking like a whore up there. She gotta put something on. And I'd like to say on this podcast, fuck Yolanda. <laughs> fuck her. Don't need a manager. I don't know where they went, but I'll find them. Those are white rose. Killed my Selena. Mm. Yolanda. Never get a press manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she does pull Selena and she's like, you know, I just wanted us to have like a good time, guys. And everyone's like, yay, Mima. And she's like, well, here's my sad song. Yep. And the lyrics don't make any sense. Well, like <laughs> this is where I started like trying to piece together why it's called. <laughs> Already uh, five like, minutes why in. Why it's called Perfect Blue. Here's the, the reason. Uh, I don't know. I think because, it's a psychiatric true. term, but I'm not sure. Because um, 
you know when the, when the subtitles first come on you know it's like you know like clear white or whatever and then like as they start singing that's when mm-hmm. they switch to blue yeah and then i'm like hmm and then I, I just i still try i'm still trying to piece together why it may be called this yeah well, maybe from, from what john said before which i mean i had known until he just said it the red symbolizing reality yeah. and the blue symbolizing fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. It's probably she's living like, in a perfect blue. I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, look, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the cover right now where it's like, yeah, she's you know like surrounded by like her toys and like all of her yeah. memorabilia and stuff like this. So it could be that. It could I, that? You know, I think that's as good as guess as any. Um, but it's topical that my drink was not the perfect blue. <laughs> That's right, I made it red, audiences, because red is far more prominent in this film. Even Mark was like, but they're wearing pink, not blue. And I said, there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason, supposedly. But um, this concert breaks up, and we get uh, a glimpse into Mima's life, just her normal every day. She's going to the supermarket, buying milk, mm-hmm. going to her crappy apartment, Wait, stuff I, with her memorabilia. I, I, I kind of like that that sort yeah. of back and forth between the concert and then like her just being like kind of almost too. like an average Joe yeah. a, a, to some regard. And even like as it switches to like the the late title card, uh, you know, as like you know her sad songs playing, and then all of a sudden it's like oh being slammed by paparazzi and then like the song cuts so i i dig that i did too mm-hmm. i i like the scene i think it's very effective um she gets back to her apartment and it's very childlike almost like black swan nina's character <laughs> mm, similar name there but uh nina's character is very like i'm a teenage girl still even though i'm natalie portman <laughs> she's like oh yeah. a hangnail oh i oh, guess well, the i guess this whole nail's gonna save come it up. save it because you know black swan <laughs> is like a, our penultimate pick like my last next to last pick will be black swan because yeah. i need to send this podcast out on the bag not to say we're ending anytime soon but we're going know. going forever it's we're going, going to we're 98 years old we got the amelie episode still so if That's amelie true. hasn't hit you're good audience <laughs> But I, I do like that she's very childlike, but we do find out that she's living alone and yeah. she's kind of supporting herself. And she's got yeah. her own. He, so no, she's not living alone. She's got some some uh, some critters. Some little. Oh, she's got some fish. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Those poor fish, man, getting the shit kicked out of them all movie. <laughs> yeah, we think they're dead, then they're alive, then they're dead, then they're really dead. So <laughs> poor fish. I feel like there has to be a a sign there. To, to represent, you know, if the fish are alive, then it's real. If the fish are dead, it's not. But I couldn't pick up on any. Yeah, because you know, it's animation. Through. We couldn't tell if they like didn't have the budget to animate yeah, the fish, or like, too. are the fish dead? Like at some points, they're upside down. They're like, oh, they're clearly dead, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's a mention of Mima's room before she gets back home, and Mima's room turns out to be. I don't know if you know about this audience, but a website. If you've ever heard of one of those before, on the World Wide Web. In HTTP? (laughs) What's a URL? But it was 1997. It was a different time. And she does return home, takes care of the fish. And she rolls up this poster like a fucking pro. Yeah. Yep. Better better job than I've ever done. I guess that comes with, like, the skill set of being a pop culture icon <laughs> which is you know a, a nice sign where it's like she's trying to put this life behind yes. her and she like, throws a shit in the garbage yeah <laughs> getting rid of that <laughs> let me get rid of this nightcaps poster I don't yeah. hang it on my wall anymore that was an old period of ours but whatever um uh it turns out to be a website and she does get a phone call from her mother the only time we hear her mother in the movie so they're distant yeah. And she's essentially like, oh, our whole family is way into your single. When are you going to sing next? And she's like, mom, I want to be an actress. And she's like, are you sure? Because you can't really fucking act. And <laughs> she's like, shut up, mom. I'm going to call him out of the line. And it turns out to be heavy breathing. And <sighs> My which, favorite character. Yeah, heavy, heavy breathing. breathing. 
which I couldn't pick up at first. And Matt not, like pointed that out, where it's like, oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah. Right, so that makes sense. Who could it be? And she's like, well, whatever. Uh, she has this uh, dial in the bath that warns her when the bath is hot, which I need. Hey, Japan. Yeah, I, I guess they've got a uh, bidets. They've got. <laughs> Bath timers. Everything fancy. But day by day. <laughs> oh, dear lord. Three. Pete's Dragon, future watch on this podcast, the original. No, that's uh, that's Godspell. Oh, that is Godspell. I was thinking of Kendall on the Water, which I think is also Stephen Schwartz, but also for Pete's Dragon. I'm not sure. Similar tune. Look it up, audience. <laughs> um, but... She thinks she's getting a call from her mom again, and she runs to the phone, but it turns out that she's getting a fax instead, and the fax mm-hmm. just says, traitor. Traitor, 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 traitor. Mm-hmm. And she's looking Joe's. at Joe's. <laughs> it's like, I should get apples. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do have an extensive wine section. Yeah. They've <laughs> got cow brand milk. It's like, organic peanut butter? Black bean soup? <laughs> What's not to go? But they just call that Joe butter, or jo- Jopels. Jopels. Like It's a Joe apple. <laughs> Uh, but it's traitor as in she's selling out like the insane clown posse she's finally pulled through with that and she stares at her window we get a pan shot and April pointed out that all the other uh, shutters are closed which I never really noticed yeah and I guess that makes sense right like she's she doesn't realize how open she's being in Mm -hmm. her life she thinks she's still living in that fantasy where she's just you know all alone existent Um, Mima's on set for Double Bind and can we talk about Double Bind What's the plot of this show? What happens? <laughs> well, it's obviously like SVU. I think it's a CSI but, SVU. But the, obviously going on for multiple episodes. Yeah, but this like arc is fucking crazy, man. Or it's like, yeah. oh, the killer wants to wear like the women's uh, skin. skin, but so, it turns so out that gotta, someone else is the killer and they killer and they have a split personality and believe that they're their sister. I, it, yep, <laughs> it's crazy shit going on in this. And I mean, I know the writer. Spoilers gets the axe in the end, but I think but they could save double line. Someone picked up his work, obviously. Yeah, but who? <laughs> That's what I wanted to question. Um, but Mima's practicing her cameo role, and it's just one line. And the plot line's about a serial killer who peels off the skin of the victims, wanting to become a woman, which does relate to some things. I was getting very, you were saying, Silence of the Lamb vibes from this. Yeah. Just trying to inhabit a different body based mm-hmm. on yeah. one's current situation. Become another person. Beca- <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm not going back. There. I mean, we did have a master of disguise in this. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah. No but turtle, though. I, I'm pretty sure Dana Carvey <laughs> Just found, fish, no turtle. Dana Carvey def- definitely found inspiration from I this. I could have seen him in a live action version of this as a certain <laughs> character. Doki, doki. Mm. But Mima is playing the sister of the victim, suffering from memory loss, of course, because, you know, the plot isn't fully completed, so we don't really know what the plot is yet. And she shows a letter to Rumi, her manager, who knows about the website, uh, Mima's room. Uh, Iri Ochai, great lead actress, so we meet the lead actress, who is essentially just doing her part, but Mima Mm -hmm. idolizes her. Which is to say, maybe she idolizes her to get into the acting culture a little bit. Like, she respects actors more, so therefore she's stepping away. Yeah, it could there's, be. There's a lot of subtext in here. So, that, that I like. Um, and Mr. Tadakoro, who is basically her producer, shows up checking on the progress, pushing for a bigger role for Mima. Mima feels self-conscious, even with her one line, and the writer Shibuya doesn't know how to end the plot line yet. <laughs> Mima gets a fan letter that turns out to be a letter bomb. 
um, basically hurting or maiming Mr. Tadakoro. Unabomber moved to Japan for a short time. Yeah. It seems like. And it's right before her first take, so she's already unnerved. And it says, this is just a warning, the next one will be real. So, as an actress, I think you would have to take that seriously. Yeah, that's one thing about this movie is they don't take these threats seriously. They, yeah. they do, understand. but they say they call the police and they check into it, but apparently they don't take it. Well, like, I love his reaction after the bomb. He's like, I'm alright. Oh. Yeah, and then passes yeah. out, covered in blood. I was like, dead? And there's a lot of blood in this movie, which I appreciate in any anime. It's like, you know, they're going there. There's a lot of TNA in this movie, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's not your grandma's. Perfect <laughs> blue. Yeah. Um, so, Rumi meets at Mima's apartment, and they've got a Macintosh performa, which... Oh, yeah. which you guys just pointed out to me, and I found it hilarious, because it's like a performa for the performer. I never noticed that before. I never noticed that either. I don't know if that's a real model. It's funny how I... It might be. I don't... I don't know. But it might not be. It's, it's funny mm. how I, I, I'm picking up things that you guys haven't. And it's like uh, being a first I time know. for me. We need minds of a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> Unclouded. Virgin. Virgin. I'm the one who lit the black That better candle. be a Halloween pick from you. I'll never tell. All right. I'm consulting well, we've my only own, got six uh, months to go. Yeah. I'm consulting my own Macintosh and it says that... The performer was real. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. Topical. With an 80 byte hard drive. <laughs> you, what does that mean? You, 80 megabyte. I don't think even Steve Jobs knew what that meant. No. And well, he was he was just stealing shit. What an what, apropos name, speaking, Satoshi Kon. Speaking of Jobs, it did say the end of the performer brand at Apple coincided with both a period of significant financial turmoil Due in part to low sales of performer machines and the return of Steve Jobs to the company. Wow. Hey. So... So Damn. thanks to Mima, we yeah. got Steve Jobs. Hey, if this movie inspired more people to get performers, we might not have had Steve Jobs. That's true. The producers have kept the letter bomb incident a secret from the police, so that's the reason why the police don't get involved initially. But later on, it's like, all right, maybe we should tell someone <laughs> some shit's going on. And Mima arrives at Mima's room online very excitedly. Like, you, she's very innocent. You know, yeah. she's yeah. like, oh, I did it. I clicked a link. <laughs> Woohoo! Something came up. Yes, I know. Mima's room. This hot, sounds like me. Hot singles in your area. Why not? Uh, I want an, a free Apple iPod Nano. I'm Wait. the millionth visitor. Yeah, right? This Nigerian prince will give me his whole fortune. Uh, but she turns this innocent into horror when she realizes that there's pictures from the website directly taken of her. And events in the diary section are essentially what she exactly said but during the day. She's also okay with it at first, like ha ha ha. Someone, well, so someone really know knows me really yeah. well. But yeah. it's like this really descriptive at first. But she's also okay with it for like a, for the first like thirty seconds. I think it's delusion, though. I think at first she's considering like, well, you know, she's trying to shrug it off. Like maybe it'll go away, mm -hmm. and then I just eventually. I don't think she knows about like. The horrors of the world. Of online the world wide web. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't been to 4chan yet. Um, Mima is back to filming and only has three shots, which is more than one. And Rumi is upset that Mima doesn't have, or hasn't yet been offered a bigger role blending her pop idol talents, so singing and acting. Rumi is revealed to have once been a pop idol herself many years ago in a blink mm -hmm. and you miss it line. Mm. But that could... I sure, uh, I've sure missed it. <laughs> he but, blinked. But that's why she's the manager, and they go, "Oh, Rumi, your career faded long ago," and she's bitter about it for a second. Um, Cham is very successful now as a duo. Maybe that should be notes for our podcast. Just saying. 
<laughs> okay. You're and out of here, John. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we drew straws and I'm the one that left. Um, Chem is very successful now in the top 100. And Mima's like, well, we never even broke the top 100. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's just really sad. But and, I, I like how she's like happy for them. Which you would be, right? If you two went on to internet celebrity status and passed <laughs> me by, I'd sure be happy for you. <laughs> I would have dresses you and hide in your bedroom casually yeah, right? trying to stab you with an ice pick, that's for sure. Uh, but nope, that's a little me. bit later. Yeah, uh, Double Bind, the show that Mima's on, is not doing very well with the fans who feel that Mima hasn't made the right move with her career. Mima panics as she feels her every move is being watched. Newspaper clippings reveal the leader of the rowdy teens from earlier has been killed in a hidden run. So, another blink and you miss it. I love these clues you leave for the audience. Uh, if you don't recognize the character's design, you don't understand what's going on. Yeah. But it's assumed that Mimania ran over him with a car and killed him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically. It's, uh, it's rough stuff. Um, Mima sees creepy Mimania posing with paparazzi as she goes into her new acting gig, to which Mark commented, like, oh, I guess they don't really find her interesting anymore, right? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, like all the paparazzi around them, and they're just like, oh, hey, it's you, and that's it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're like, uh, do all pop stars get unfriendly when they start acting? It's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Cham's new single is at 83rd, which doesn't seem very high, but it's good for them. With Ray and Yukiko, who are the name of the other two members that just get like one line, you know, a name and you're mentioned. Um, and she's approached to model on the street and we get another amazing cut where it's like, cut! <laughs> yeah. This is a scene being shot. Uh, oh, just come out of blown. nowhere. Yeah. And Mima's role is starting to get risque. Uh, she is written to get raped at a strip show. And Rumi is furious. Mima's down for it, though. She's like, I'm okay with it. What's the worst that can happen? And Jodie Foster apparel and the accused. I think that Satoshi Khan saw... That's what I was picking yeah, up on. Yeah, no, Satoshi Khan saw the accused and used that scene to inspire this. Mm-hmm. Jodie Foster's character. They did mention Jodie, what's her name? Yeah. Oh, yes. In the script. So, yeah. that's why. Yeah. yeah. It's Jodie Foster. Just so you know. <laughs> we can't say this. Nell, day in the wind, chick a pay. No, I'm I'm repeating the the dialogue. They said what's a name? I know a name. It's Fustu. <laughs> and on the train back from work, we get the first instance of Pop Idol reflection Mima, who is the real villain of this, the villain inside Mima's own head, and I see a black swan parallel. <laughs> Talking well, to your reflection, well, eh? Well, this is where, like, I mean, we'll get to it, but, like, this is where it, uh, I now think where it's like, huh? Like, <laughs> a, like, a, like a huh moment, yeah. or, like, at the end of the movie, at, like, as we'll, like, get to, but it's, I'm like, how does this relate to this and that? But, I, uh, I think there was one in her head, and then it just turned out, like, she was trying to blend fantasy and reality a bit. I, I guess. Make sense for herself. Well, well, Have you ever been crazy, Mark? <laughs> Spend a month in an insane asylum. I don't even know if I'm really here right now. I know. Ooh. I could be in, like, a cabbage patch right now. Just You're be- just Shrek. Cut! <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> we need to do that number again. Come out of the outhouse to somebody wants a little more clearly. You have to wake up, Mark. Yeah. Wake up. Somebody <laughs> wants. <laughs> That's like the alarm clock every day. <laughs> if I farted, you'd be dead, donk. <laughs> Mom? <laughs> Mom. Um, so, do, do, do. Mima films the scene while Mamania, who apparently snuck in and everybody else watches. So she does catch glimpses of Mamania frequently. I don't know film. how he's really getting in here. Or is he in? <laughs> yeah. 
I'll never tell. Uh, Sam, I am. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is where I started to get the uh, Darren Aronofsky vibes. Yes. Because uh, my I, nipples were wrecked. I, I, <laughs> my butt was clenched. Uh, uh, my mind, my mind immediately went to ass to ass, ass to ass from We Hate Movies. No, from uh. Don't We Hate Movies say that too? Everybody says it. Everybody okay. that knows that. Never mind. Everybody that knows um. Requiem. Requiem, Requiem for a dream. dream. You know Requiem from Dream, despite Ellen Bernstein's uh fantabulous performance in that red dress is my least watched Aronofsky film I've only seen it twice I think I've, I've seen it when I was way Wait, too you young way too young to understand <laughs> no, 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 you've, you've oh, seen oh. Pi what you've seen Pi multiple yes, times then yeah I have a not weird one. Seen, I yeah. haven't seen Pi yeah. it's like 60 minutes it's really short it was uh, his debut yeah it involved like creepy lady under the car Here like I orthodox <laughs> Jews doing lobotomies yeah. it was a good time crazy shit oh Aronofsky where are you now Mother about. frequent, you know, basically his whole filmography is a frequent watch or a, a coming up watch on the podcast. <laughs> I can't get enough of him. But the rape is very realistically filmed. Yeah, yeah. it's visceral. I mean, it's visceral. It, I mean, it's definitely. I has to be simulated too because. It, and I like the instances of like the real acting. Like yeah, I'm like, sorry, mm-hmm. and like the zipper got stuck. Like yeah. that brings like genuineness uh, to it, but. At the same time, it's a horrific. Like, yeah. Otherwise, it'd be yeah. way too hard to watch. Yeah. As it is now, it's just a very hard watch. Yeah. But not way too hard. Mm-hmm. It it brings that reality, which I appreciate again. But yeah. there's times where it goes overboard, and Rumi obviously she She's, runs out in tears. She, yeah. She yeah. starts crying. It's like I can't take this. And I love like the scene immediately after this is like her looking at herself in the mirror, and she like kind of hangs her head down, mm-hmm. uh, and then she enters a cab and. It just seems really like depressed or, or downtrodden and you're like oh you start to retroactively think about that scene again and you're like oh that really felt too real yeah, yeah. Um, but then she starts talking normally and she's like oh yeah no I'm really tired it was it was a tough scene but I did it all right well she says that but uh, she's telling Tadakoro that but Tadakoro doesn't tell her about how Rumi reacted first yeah. off you know and I think that would have changed her opinion of it if only they would have had a conversation, right? Hmm. Uh, but um, she does return home to hallucinate that her fish are all dead. And she has a very visceral breakdown in her room. Like, of course I'm trash. I didn't mean it, right? And then the reflection comes out. And it's yeah. like, hey, bitch. <laughs> heard you had a bad scene today. It's like me, your depression. Which I don't know if you guys have ever talked to your alternate self in the mirror. But surely that's something I've lived through every single fucking day of my life. So... Hmm. I've seen my alternate self wear that uh, skirt. Oh yeah, same same difference. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know she she tries to chase it and she just skips on out of her room. Yeah, just like like uh, like dancing on light light which hopes. I love, right? Yeah. That's so stylistic. Just I like it. hopping and skipping through the streets of uh, Japan mm-hmm. on lights. Oh, oh yeah, after my own heart, man. Let's man. see that in live action. Put me on winches. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Put me in that costume. I mean, you did say this movie has a live action. Like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna watch that. No, that you don't, wanna, you what don't did want to. Movie... What did Death Note do to me? <laughs> oh, everyone knew what that movie was gonna be. I don't know. Also, there's different Death Notes. <laughs> I think the director of Death Note uh, is like doing something good. I think maybe they. Did <laughs> oh, don't the... no no. <laughs> Giving the charity. No, I think maybe they did Detective Pikachu or something. He didn't. Well, I'm probably there's... wrong. That's um. What's his name? Uh. Well, forget it. <laughs> so while uh, Matt looks that up, Mimania is shown writing the Mima's Room blog post from his stalker basement, 
And Mima is being interviewed for, and ratings uh, for Double Bind are rising. So she's essentially going, you know, it was a difficult scene to film, but I got over it. I really want to act. Oh, never mind. It was just the person who uh, is currently working on Godzilla versus Kong. Yay. Riveting. Yeah. <laughs> the original. Can we talk about the original Godzilla versus King Kong for a second? I think I owned it. Do you remember who wins that fight? I didn't watch it. I just, Matt, I just you, know I owned do it. Do you have a gamble on who wins that yeah. fight? Whoever wins, we all lose. But for real, do you, <laughs> but, no, do you have a... Um, if you had to place a bet, who would win? Godzilla versus King Kong? What was King Kong taken down by? Just like a few... Love. <laughs> yeah, so Godzilla. It was no, Beauty that killed the beast. No, it was, it was Broadway. Broadway that killed the beast. <laughs> then Godzilla. Godzilla? King Kong sounds like a softy. So spoilers. Godzilla versus King Kong. They're going neck and neck at it for the entire film. Until Ooh. King Kong is struck by lightning, punches Godzilla, and wins in the end. <laughs> Bet you didn't see what? that coming. Lightning fists? Yeah, yep. He just gets lightning powers and just uh, that's the it. shit out of him. Damn. So wait, but if Godzilla had been struck by lightning, maybe things would have turned <laughs> or around. Or if Godzilla would have had the children's prayers on his side, maybe he would have came up on him. Can I just say this? Stop putting focus on real people in these movies. And just, yes! And, and just show the freaking monsters. They That's why because of the budget, though. Well, just, no, you're, you're, you're using more of your budget to hire famous actors. But no one would come see the movie for us. Yes, they would. Barney yes, does. they I know, would. Me and you, you would come see me? the movie, Mark? It's, but would the American populace who loves Games of Thrones? This, and, uh, this <laughs> next movie is supposed to be four giant bullshits fighting each other. Hey, I like yeah. Mothra. Leave Mothra. And King Ghidorah. I no, like them like, both. No, like, that's what I just want. You, that's what you go to these movies to see. You don't see acting prowess and like uh, Millie oh, Bobby Brown. Yeah, like looking at like uh, befriending, putting your hand on Godzilla. You yeah. are my friend. Now go kill him. Like, come on. I agree. What is, like that last one that came out? Well, it was horrible. It yeah. was. Oh, yes. bull- I was laughing the Ken whole. Ken Watanabe and uh, Brian Cranston. Is that <laughs> Sam Worthington, the same guy from Avatar? In the I role? think so. Yeah. No, Maybe. that was no? Uh, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Kick, kicked. <laughs> Kick, kick ass. So bad that? he has three names. I think it, I think it was the guy that played Kick Ass. Oh, well, that, that was a good. Oh, movie. but he's hot now. He was always hot. I don't know. I didn't find him hot in Kick Ass. Oh, he was in the second Kick Ass. He got and he got ripped, and then he was also in uh, Avenger, yeah, but I still Avengers: Age of Ultron. I saw some pictures of him today, and I was like, "You've improved." Oh man, <laughs> Sam Worthington from Avatars has been in some shit. He, yeah. He's been a lot of sh- the, the terrible shit. He's in a Hacksaw Ridge, <laughs> Everest, Manhunt, Unabomber. <laughs> The Shack, a religious film. Uh, he's apparently in Call of Duty Black Ops. <laughs> he is. The second the second one. Oh. All right. So Prime Murder in Perfect Blue. Coming back to the movie at Focus. <laughs> uh, Shibuya, the show's writer, pulls into a bloody parking lot space labeled as Cham. And music plays in the background. And he goes up to this note saying traitor, I think. Or, does it say traitor or does it, it say it's a, sell out? No, I think it just says... Insane Clown Posse. I don't know. I think it, it just it, says double bind. It's double bind. It says yeah. the, the, it does, the it phantom does. thieves of hearts. <laughs> and, you know, covered in blood, he pulls it off like, oh, just a normal day. And yeah. he goes into the elevator where there is this boombox playing a cham song. And there is this magnificent cut to the doors closing, the doors opening. And then you got your eyes gouged out. You're double blind. Uh. Ah! <laughs> Get it? I got it. I loved it. It took, it took me a while. But I yes. loved it. Okay. Uh, and I really appreciate that the boombox, when it's in the elevator, it sounds... Uh, realistic. Yeah, yeah, like muffled. But, like yeah. Yeah. And, and, Distorted. And I like how it's like... like the. 
the floor it almost looks like it's in a puddle of blood but that's mm-hmm. just like the floor of the elevator so that, that mm. like that adds more to oh, like I thought that was a cut. puddle of blood actually no <laughs> I, mud? I mean a puddle of blood yeah <laughs> the band <laughs> but uh yeah I, I, I like that that's that's a little bit more to the next cut of him in the dead in the elevator so yeah Mima is clearly worried. Murder is obviously connected to the other murder. <laughs> and doubt comes in. Serves me right. Uh, Rumi finds out that Mima is posing for a photographer noted for making his model strip. Which seems weird to me. What it's do you like, mean? All? I, I feel like that happened a but lot. It's like, I mean, what's so special about look at him Marky Mark. <laughs> that he could get people to strip? I mean, I didn't find anything wrong. I mean, like that... Uh, but was it a like Playboy esque or was it like that's what I was highlights I, magazine another mention on this podcast. that's what I thought she was doing intentionally so I think she yeah. was I, I, didn't, yeah, I, I, didn't, I don't think she cared I don't like the line like oh that photographer specializes in, in making in strip yeah. Yeah. photos <laughs> uh, best song in the movie champs I'd rather wear jeans than a business suit song <laughs> needs to get an honorable mention mm-hmm. the lyrics just don't make sense a man will love me if I stand on my tippy toes just so you know. Yep. Um, and Mimania imagines Mima is back with Cham, and he's very ecstatic. He's all weepy-eyed. He's at, like, an outdoor concert, another, like, week gig for these two. But he imagines that Mima is there. Um, the blog mentions that Mima's there, and then Mima silently screams in the tub in another Black Swan what, parallel scene. Which, this is starts confusing me, where it's like, now we're seeing what, who oh, I'm still not sure if, well, like, if this no. is, like, a fragment of her own imagination. No, because Mimania is so fanatic that he imagines she was there because and she yeah. and he knows that champs other members were there so he knows that this would piss the real mamania off so he mentioned on the blog i was at this outing okay i i thought this was like i misread it i thought yeah. it was like in a in like an actual newspaper no. so and because what what got me a little bit weird was when her i guess like uh photorealistic self yeah dives into the crowd after the song yeah the crowd like follows her and i think that was just mamania's yeah, kind yeah. Of and psyche. before like when she first steps out on stage this is what kind of uh threw me for a loop the crowd also like starts chanting or starts getting really loud and cheering um and i think once she's on stage you even see the other members kind of like looking to where she would be if she were real mm-hmm. it's yeah, the movie's yeah. kind of designed to to fuck with you. <laughs> yeah, and Mamania is out destroying every issue of the scantily clad Mima magazines. He's yeah. buying them all in kind of a a scene where like the the cashier is just looking up at him and he's sweating profusely. Yeah, just carrying all these uh, like Playboy magazines. It's like I swear they're for the kids, <laughs> literally. And come on, the posters talk straight to him in his basement. Yeah, yep. I love that shit. I love when <laughs> movies do that shit. It's just. I love the psyche being exact. And speaking of, since my house is full of posters staring at me, maybe it's a guilty pleasure. I want it to happen to me one day. What has uh, Natalie Portman been saying to you? Just her hands, apparently. Just her hands. But we'll get there. Uh, (laughs) So he gets questioned by his fake Mima going, you know, I really want to get rid of the real Mima. Could you do that for me? And she scandally clads like... Hugs him over the side in her revealing outfit, giving us some butt cheek. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but Black Swan. Uh, man, you should totally kill the real Mima. You know that? <laughs> um, and Idol Chamlan, they're filming their own podcast. They stole our freaking jobs, guys. <laughs> I thought that was just a radio show. It's a podcast. <laughs> Before they were a podcast. Yeah. Uh, but Cham's members, Ray and Yukiko, are filming. And... Um, 
I forget who sends her there. Is it um, Rumi or is it the other dude who sends her over there and says, I think it would be good for you to spend time with them? Because initially she's supposed to guess. But, right. I think it's the dude. The dude. Did I watch this scene? I might I, have, you were out here. <laughs> I might yeah, have been you were out in the kitchen. <laughs> um, but uh, she shows up and is about to record and is happy for them, but she sees her reflective self in the studio right. and has a fucking conniption. Yeah. And <laughs> runs down the hall chasing it. Yeah. And trips down the stairs in another visceral scene, runs out into the street. And I, I loved that, like, when the shadow self splashes, it's, like, that unique, like, many rings, like, gentle raindrop falling. But mm-hmm. when she does, it's, like, that huge splash, like, yeah. messy. Big thud. Yeah. She loses a shoe. She loses a shoe. She's just running through, like, a mad woman. And is this the first point where she wakes up in her room and she's, like, is that Yeah. Real? yeah. she's getting hit by a truck. Yes. By Mamania. Yeah. So it's, like, it plays into the reality of it all, too. It's, like, it's all culminating into something, which I also loved. Um... And we learn that the mirror version of herself says that I'm the real Mima. Like, no one would ever love you. You've sold out. You don't care about your fans. Yeah. You should be a pop idol. You're, You're a trash. filthy woman. Yeah. <laughs> that it's trash. <laughs> oh. Uh, Ruby visits Mima, Mima and uh, they're drinking tea. And Mima believes that she's developing a split personality. And she keeps drumming around. She doesn't remember where she was or who she was or what is actually real. She breaks the cup, injuring herself. And on Double Bind, Mima's character is written to be hallucinating and is actually a murderer. We get another murderer, which is a vague pizza man. And I love this murder scene, too. It's like, pizza's here. Ooh, it's, it's, oh, it's, yeah, face is hidden, so you don't really know. It's like you're, you're like, you're a weird pizza man. And then he goes to bend over. And then, tech, yeah. And then, whack, right in the, the eye. I heard him go, oh. <laughs> no, what really got me was like right in the crotch yeah. as she gets him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and kill Bill Blood. Just spewing out. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love like when she gets him in the eye, it's just like a couple seconds. Yeah. Of, like hesitation. A delay. Yeah. yeah. Mm, poor Murano, the photographer. All he did was take pictures of scantily cut women. It was kind of skeevy. But other than that, nothing. But we have to remember that the murder weapon is an ice pick. Yeah. I guess that we could tie that. I thought it was something. a screwdriver. No, I'm pretty sure it's Yeah, an ice pick. I thought it was a screwdriver too. I don't think it's a screwdriver. I've been around an ice pick, you know, <laughs> with me and my ice sculpture days. Come on. <laughs> true. What true. did I do before this podcast? <laughs> ice sculpture. I quit that to get into this business. <laughs> uh, transitions appear if Mima is doing the murdering. So we do get a glimpse as if Mima is doing the murdering. And she mm-hmm. wakes up and she's like, oh, it's just a dream. Just to go to my closet, she hears on the news, like, they call her up, like, Mima, did you hear Murano got murdered? And she's like, what? That couldn't have happened. That just happened in my dream. Yep. And, or did it. Like, we never really know what she was dreaming. But And she goes to her closet and she finds some bloody clothes. And it's like, oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> Dang. That time of the month again. Hey, Sorry. This, this is the style <laughs> that's that in. ill taste? I don't think so. Okay. Blood, I apologize we've, anyway. we, we've said worse. We have said worse. Or at least worse. I've said worse. <laughs> bloody clothes are in this year. And it's a little odd that Mima is framed to kill a man on set with an ice pick. I, I put two blue. I, I think I signified the ice with like the coldness mm. of it all. I, I don't know. I was trying to figure out the, the title of the movie too until you like brought up the significance between red and blue. Yeah. Like or at least reminded me of that significance. Me that that's as far as I could get because this whole watch through I was trying to think of the title too. I, know. I, I think couldn't. we all are. Because yeah. I was like, what is perfect blue? Like yeah. it, it's just like a calm I, I thought it was like something psychiatric. I think it's like a term for schizophrenic. Well, I think of blue. I think of like melancholy, and then yeah. like you know, just kind of like a. And then Lars von Trier, and then yeah. <laughs> a planet coming to the. I hate that movie. That movie makes me so depressed. 
You tell me. The house that Jack built. <laughs> a real comedy. Two blue flashes in between real life and fantasy. Mima is apparently killed on set playing a mentally unstable woman. So she killed it. Like they all... She's talking to like the three-way mirror of herself in a scene. Yeah. And she turns around. They're like, great job. You did wonderful. <laughs> like, wonderful acting. I never knew if you could do that. But then she wakes up again. It's like, fuck, did I even do that? And yeah. we're getting, like, splits between her and her co-stars, like, out in the rain. Like, I'm going to catch a cold. Like, I'm sorry for that. And she keeps turning around and seeing main mania. So we don't know what's reality and fiction in this oh, scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love, like, <laughs> she just starts waking up every two minutes or so. And... I feel like in another movie you would just get frustrated like what is actually happening I I feel like like, the first time I watched this I was really frustrated because I didn't understand what was going on until you piece it together and then just realize like she's either and Cohn does this in all his other movies like they're either trying to cope or like make sense of their story through different mediums Mm. because Millennium Actress is the same thing we have our main character going through scenes in different time periods and then they mesh up perfectly with her life and they cut from like in between them and this is where I started to see the the parallels and are like what how this inspired uh, was it Tokyo Uh, Godfathers no 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 No? Black Swan Black Swan (laughs) no 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 uh, there's that Uh, but uh, Paranoia Agent because every episode it pretty much embodies what this whole (laughs) movie does in terms of like this surrealism and like the like what's happening right now kid yeah yeah uh but uh yeah it starts really messing with me and this is where uh where she starts seeing her interrogated i guess yeah right is that where is that where we're at what do you mean right that this where's the the split personality things yeah well they're they're both confronting each other in like every mirror yeah yeah and I, and she's like, no, I'm the real Mima. Me. I'm the real Black Swan. Oh, Damn. Fucking Black Swan. <laughs> uh, so after this, they do do well, but she's still like wandering around the studio, like stunted, like, where am I? She runs into her co-star, like, you did great. And she's like, oh, doctor. And the co-star's <laughs> like, I'm not a real doctor, girl. I'm just an actress. You need to calm down a bit. And she's stumbling through the halls. And we see Mimania walking towards her. She turns away for a second and we get the best cut in the movie where Mimania... It's like face... Right there, right yeah. next to her. And then like, uh, right, right, he's about to like put her hand right yeah. there, and then that's like car a trunk, slam. A trunk slam. Like, oh, that's that's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, but this is where I thought it was like, is this now in her head? Because that's where Coaster is like, you have, you have to stop dreaming. Right? Yeah. It's like... It could it's like, be. It's like, oh, she is dreaming. She's she's in a coma. She has, I, to, she has to wake up. What I think happened, and I'll get to after I, I... I'll explain what I think happened after this next scene. So, Mamania, while Rumi is waiting with the producer at the car to, like, pick her up and take her home, she's getting raped by Mamania. Or about to. Or yeah, about like, to. Attempted. Another graphic scene. And his voice doesn't match his stature. It's like one of those yeah. incel... Oh, yeah. squeaky voices. It's like the first time we've heard his voice. And the English dub is even funnier. It's like so oh high pitched. Oh no. It, it's like it Ash, does not match at all. It's Ash Ketchum. It, it literally <laughs> is. It's a famous voice actor. I forget his name, but it's very high pitched. And I'm just like, that voice doesn't match that physique at all. <laughs> and it, it's graphic. And he does remove some like, clothing. The, and the, the, the panty rip was like yeah. the, one, of, one of the most unsettling. Yeah, for me. it's very mm-hmm. unsettling. I feel like if it was live action, it'd be rated R. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, but she does manage to evade her captor by taking a prop men's hammer. Thank God we left our, our tools laying around on set. 
and smashing the mania's head in with just one knock. Yeah, it's oh, a yeah. delayed flop on her. How <laughs> fitting that she was raped during the scene on that section. He dies yeah. there too. Hmm. They really need a new set. <laughs> yeah. Because no strip joint would allow them to film there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's where all the scenes take place. Even the uh, the doctor scenes take place at the strip club. And they just they have to justify it in the story somehow. Yeah. Uh, what I think <laughs> happened is I think she actually did kill him. And then the other one took care of the well, body. I don't, I don't think so because that's when like the... Well, that's when she runs back into Ruby. Ruby. And they go back to the set. And Mima's then, Rumi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like, oh no, like uh, he's gone. Like what happened? And, yeah. the, or it's, and then they start questioning, did this really happen? happen. Yeah. And then that's when it cuts to, uh, ta, was it Tado? Tado Tadako or Tadakoa. And uh, that's and that's when he's, his body... It's found right, right, next, right to. next to Mamania, yeah. but yeah. like his eye is is already gouged. Well, both of them have one eye gouged out. So my assumption Double was murder. like she didn't yeah. kill him; he most maybe knocked her out, and that's when Rumi maybe did the finishing job. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Could see that gaslighting a topic <laughs> in perfect blue, but Rumi takes Mima back to Mima's room. We're gonna go back to Mima's room, which isn't Mima's room. Dun, dun, dun. I think it's just a carbon copy of Mima's room. Well, like I didn't pay too much attention. Where I wasn't like, sure if it was. I don't think it was her exact room though. Because she looked out the no. window. Yeah, and that's when she was like, "Oh, this isn't mine." So I think that yeah. Rumi was slowly stealing because we also saw that Mima's room was in complete disarray too. Yeah. Like every time she'd wake up, it'd be messier and messier and messier and messier. Mm-hmm. And I think that Rumi steadfastly created an exact replication of Mima's room. To the like letter, and then mm-hmm. brought her there. Yeah, because she realized while looking out the window, like there's a train out there. This isn't my room. So crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. And she turns around, and what's Rumi doing? She's pulling the old. Oh, this looks better on me than it does on you, game, right? <laughs> yeah. Scantily clad Rumi, and we get the reflection where it's like Mima's alter ego in the reflection, and then uh, I'm not gonna say fat, but portly Rumi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a little at odds where it's like if she was in this position that she was in before, mm-hmm. or it's like, I, I kind of get it where it's like no, she, yeah, she's put on some weight obviously, but like the, it's the eyes that really like do it for me. We need a Muppets version of this. It, with her this eyes movie. are so <laughs> far apart from each other; it just makes it so unsettling. <laughs> Yeah, because it's the same. It's the same that that for uh, Mamania, or it's like that's. I think they did that for a reason, though. And I think the photographer also has like wide space eyes. Yeah, I think that's supposed to signify something, Mm -hmm. or maybe like an obsession, obsessive personality. Mm. Uh, But you know, I I really enjoy this last ten minutes of the movie. I think it's really fun because we get like dialogue, like "No, I'm the real Mima." No. Real Mima isn't here right now. We have a message after the beep beep. <laughs> and Rumi picks up that ice pick and she is just trying to stab the shit out of Mima. But of course, oh, yeah. she's dodging every blow. But she does get her once, right? Yeah. In the stomach. And there's some blood. And I'm like, oh. What's like in the shoulder almost. Yeah. And those poor fish. She goes through the fish tank, murders all those fish. Yep. And this is what I kind of appreciate about this because we don't see the roomy perspective we no. see like the actual um yeah the, who she views as the uh, fake mima yeah the so, fake mima the ghost because, mima because you know that's when she starts chasing her and like a yeah. reflection you don't you see uh not mima but roomy chasing her mm-hmm. and, yes. like, and not like floating. and frantically yeah uh but this is where it kind of confuses me where it's like 
at the same time, this is how she kind of views herself as Mima, but like mm-hmm. at the same time, Mima was was seeing like her other projection because like was that almost intentional maybe? I, I think it was intentional because i certainly think that she was trying to come to terms with like who she is as a, a yeah. celebrity versus this real hectic uh, which like, is, which i feel like she was certainly feeling these thoughts which is, yeah, it was like two different problems yeah. merging together yeah because yeah. uh, she's coping because she's the one who like told her like to oh look at this uh website of the of mima's room yeah. Right. So I'm not sure if she intentionally like led her to view that, mm-hmm. and maybe uh, as a way of like kind of convincing her like change your ways, go back to being a pop idol or stuff like yeah. that. So yeah. I don't know. It was or just me, like putting yeah. her on the path to eventually losing it. Yeah. Yeah. Has anyone here seen Sybil or read Sybil? Sybil. No. Sybil. Mm. Oh man, I gotta teach you kids <laughs> so much. So Sybil is usually it's assigned in a college course. Of course, I read it in like fourth grade because that's the way I am. It's about nerd. It's not a real factual of multiple personality, but it's about this girl who's like sixteen different personalities. And the movie version has Sally Field in it, and it's really good too. I did see the movie version split, but yeah, same. <laughs> but Sybil, um, she comes up with new personalities to kind of cope with what's going on in her normal life. So she'll split off and kind of adapt to each one. And I was okay. getting real. Like, multiple personality vibes. Of course, I'm not going to diagnose that because I'm no doctor. <laughs> but I'm only a doctor you of only, theater. You only play one on TV. I only play one on TV. But um, how, how do they use the, the version of the Beast in the book? Uh, it, I just, there uh, is a Beast in the book, <laughs> but it's really her mother. But Mother! Why, why am I even continuing this conversation <laughs> with you two mooks? Uh, but they're running through the streets. She's going, help me, help me! And, of course, being the Japanese populace. Or, like, if it happened in America, everyone would be like, look at those crazy people running after each other, <laughs> covered in blood. And... I love that they're just falling and falling and falling and falling and like yeah. they're physically injured like they're limping after each other yeah. doing whatever even though Mima sees this sprightly counterpart of her just skipping along like I'm going to murder you with an umbrella yeah. and uh, she does stab her again and then I got problems with that umbrella because when she, it's we sharp first, right when, when yeah. we first see yeah. it it looks dull and then when she actually Damn, plunges it sharp, through her you shit. know you have to whittle at your umbrella just in case yeah. sometimes yeah right uh, but uh, Rumi as Mima misses and stabs through a, a shop window and yeah. M- Mima does the only thing she could think she could do and snatches her weave out <laughs> she goes wig and then Rumi goes <gasps> wig tossed yeah. wig wig snatched edges snatched and Rumi breaks down she's like I'm not beautiful anymore oh, oh. and then she picks up the wig and she's like she reaches over a glass partition, stabs herself in the stomach, and I was like, well, yeah. but it doesn't end there, which I know. I feel I, like if it ended there, it'd be a little unsatisfactory. I'd be like, yeah. I like right. that Mimi, Mimi, <laughs> Mima didn't get like uh, the crushing blow or anything. Like, she's not a murderer. No. Mm-hmm. Or is she? Wow. Well. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she murdered at least something. Yeah, you, you gotta. Yeah. Once in your life. Some small animals, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, then a little bit later, they get in uh, danger because of a truck is running their way when they're out on the street. And you see Mima even save Rumi yeah. from that uh, inevitable nice character death. change, right? And yeah. I, I love that Rumi parallels one of the first shots by holding her arms outstretched as the crowd cheers. Mima, yeah. Mima, Mima. <laughs> <laughs> it's like give her a stop in, right? I know they don't stop; they just keep going. It's like I see you, but uh, Mima does chuck Rumi out of the way in time. They both live, but they're battered and bloody. And another instance of perfect blue. Rumi, uh, Mima stares up at the sky, and I said, "Is this perfect mm-hmm. blue? Like the piece of 
just death. The death of just knowing you're being alive and transition to the next scene. That's true. I we're like in, that. We're in a psychiatric hospital and Mima is incognito in her celebrity glasses and the doctor goes, you know, well, sometimes she does revert to her roomy personality to which Mima goes, well, I doubt I'll ever see her again. <laughs> and then leaves and the nurses are all in scandal. They're like, oh, is that Mima? Oh, it can't be Mima. That wouldn't be Mima. And Mima pulls up in her car, looks in her rear view mirror, and she's like, no, that's not me. <laughs> no. Drives off. I'm real. I'm real. real. Yeah. And then uh, rock sound yeah. off uh, into the credits directly. So silly. I loved it. It's like, <laughs> fuck y'all. It's such yeah. a, it's really, fuck y'all audience. You sat through Y'all who thought I wasn't real. Oh, but I, I love Perfect Blue. It's it's great. Yeah. I did see uh, a Stack Exchange article or a forum post. Uh, somebody asked, what is the meaning of the title? Perfect Blue. And somebody responded with source information from an interview with Khan Satoshi himself. Uh, somebody asked, what is the significance of the title Perfect Blue? Mm. And the response from Khan. That's a frequently asked question, and at the same time, one I find very difficult to answer. Of course. To be honest, I used it because it was the title of the original novel. Yeah. Oh. Perfect Blue, Total Pervert, by <laughs> Yoshikazu Takeuchi. <laughs> uh, Use your words. In, published in 91. I presume the words had some significance, but as I changed the story and probably the subject as well, I guess the meaning was lost. I can only guess because I didn't read the novel. I simply read through the rough plot, which yep. was described as close to the original story in the project plan delivered to me. We discussed changing the title, but I like it. It sounds significant and mysterious. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to read the book if we maybe. Well, no, he adapted the book into what he wanted. Remember, he needed to keep the trends of pop idols, horror, and a stalker element. Yeah, but the book had the title "Perfect Blue." Total pervert. And <laughs> total pervert. <laughs> total and, hentai. Uh, uh, that, I find that funny. That's a uh, Satoshi Khan didn't read the original source material. Didn't read the novel. That's funny to me. Good for him. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I do too. That's. Wow, and you were still able to come out with this. Yeah. That's solid. I'm pretty sure that pissed off a lot of manga readers. Mangaka? And, yeah, a lot of light novelers. <laughs> yeah. Not me, though. <laughs> Imagine if this film were called Perfect Blue Total Pervert. I, I think it would be a slightly different audience. Yeah. Yeah. Less people at the box office, I think. <laughs> I think so. Or maybe just drop the Perfect Blue and just call it Total, Total Pervert. Pervert. I think that sounds more like a comedy. But yeah. That's just me. The new Seth Rogen movie coming out. Total pervert. No, the new Woody <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I was going to go with the new Woody Allen movie coming out. Total pervert. Oy. Well, you know, I, I, I read this this manga with my, with my uh, young wife here. <laughs> I'm going to call it Total Pervert. Thank you, Woody Allen. We'll call you. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> I won't be at the Oscars again, so don't invite me. All right, we won't. <laughs> and never <laughs> so final thoughts on Perfect Blue pizza ratings pizza uh, ratings uh, pizza ratings uh, I'll, I'll go first uh, for my first time watching this movie and uh, I, I really liked it It's a this is a style of animation you don't really see anymore a lot like hand drawn <laughs> yes exactly a lot of it's very 3D nowadays and it's there's not a lot of uniqueness that goes uh, goes into that you know when I think of that I think of like you know of this movie I think of 
oh uh, stuff that came out uh, around this time you know yeah. like Ghost in the Shell oh. and uh, um, I haven't seen I've only seen maybe bits and pieces but like uh, uh, Akira you know you've never seen the full Akira no uh, it was oh, Matt it, I have a pick for you next it, it was it, it was True. free it was free on uh, YouTube for a small it's spell. right now it's posted on, on Truvy well, it's on <laughs> no, Tubi it's whatever it's on Hulu as well yeah. I believe the sub version the dubbed version is on Truvy <laughs> I, I, I to be or not to be I don't know <laughs> I do appreciate a, a lot of the uh, thrillerness that that goes along with this. this is thriller. And, it really makes you think, you know. Even at the once the credits rolled, I was still trying to piece together what really happened, and uh, it started to make more sense the more we talked about it. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I guess that makes sense. And I, you don't really need to, need to think too hard on it. Mm. I and uh, I I, just, I do just like how it ends on a fuck you or to, to the camera. It's like, yeah, it, like it was. It, <laughs> like almost just like self-insert it was all for nothing it, it just felt like you know the director sort of just like put himself where it's like yeah what did you think <laughs> uh but uh you know i i, I dig it you know I, i'd watch it again oh i mean i will watch it again thanks to uh the matthew over here Woo. um and uh, i might check out the, the english dub just to see how that uh yeah how, how that translates too so uh yeah yeah it's uh it was a good time i i like this i like this pick pizza pizza <laughs> you have it now live with it I'll give it a 6.5 wow it was that good it was that good of a good time you know wow. it's it doesn't overstay it's welcome it, it's 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 very very precise and what it, the movie really tries to translate mm-hmm. oh yeah it's a it's it is a short one I feel like it gets across so many things in that span of time it's Surprising, it almost feels like a an epic in terms of like navigating this possible mental illness yeah. that uh, Mima has. Uh, I love the the music in it. I have to say, I'm a sucker for music. And are you a like... a, um, a business suit wearer, or would you rather <laughs> wear blue jeans? Ooh. <laughs> what about a blue? Blue jeans with a blazer well, on. Well, clearly that won't work. Oh, that, damn that's it. everybody at E3. It's 97, <laughs> not the 80s. Get out of your mind. Out of the <sighs> past. Come on. Uh, I uh, I love the music. It's just... Wait, did this movie technically have time travel in it? No. Because you... you uh, no. I was going to bring that up because yeah. you had... I tra- feel like it kind of does, You though. tried to mention that. No, there's there's no time travel in this I feel at like all. it cuts to different time periods, though. No. I don't think so. Uh, no. All right. Never mind. I lied. There. I said it. You got me. We just wanted to keep the time travel theme going. A year of time travel. My next pick will not have time travel in it. Okay. Okay. My next pick, I'm not going to say. It might. Because I'll guess it again. I got it already. Uh, Let's see. I like the music. I love the transitions. Yeah. There's like really good artistry on display there. Uh, I like the animation style. I I just really like so much of this. I'm going to have to give it a 7.2 damn, out of 8 pizza slices. That's high for Matt. It is. I just, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, I also like 7.2. It feels like a a perfect (laughs) number to me. An almost whole number for Matt. It just, it feels very round. I like seeing it in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, 7.2. I like this movie. I've seen it a couple times. I obviously picked it. 
I've seen all of Satoshi Kon's work. Um, this will be up there. I do prefer Millennium Actress. I do actually like Tokyo Godfathers and Paprika slightly more than this movie. Mm-hmm. I think he improved with age. But I wish that I could have shown you guys Millennium Actress. Uh, maybe next time. Maybe if they ever release a Blu-ray copy of it. Yeah. That'll be our a pick, a future watch for me. Um, I do appreciate that without this film, we would not have one of the campiest cult classics there is, Black Swan, which is both serious and comical. And without Black Swan, maybe we wouldn't have Mother! Oh. <laughs> so, why would this podcast even exist then? Exactly. But I'm going to have to be a little harsher on it than you guys, for no apparent reason. <gasps> I have this number in my head the whole time. I think that it deserves a 6 out of 8 pizza slices. I think that it flows well. It does have great imagery. And these are all positives coming out of my mouth so far. And I can't really think of any overt negatives. But it just feels like a 6 out of 8 for me. Okay. Okay. And I'm sorry I can't give any more explanation. (laughs) I do love it. Hey, it's a feeling. I feel like if Millennium Actress is an 8 out of 8, and I don't like this the best out of Cohen's work, but it's still really good. Six out of eight is a deserving slice. I do say, I, I think I do like Tokyo Godfathers more than this. Yeah. But uh, having, having first time seeing, I, I do really like it. Though. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe I'll change my score if I ever get to his other work. Yeah, we'll have to have an episode detailing, like going through the scores. Like, okay, what did you rate that? Do we, do we still <laughs> think that? No? Yeah, a retrospective. Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. A 16 hour retrospective where we listen to the episodes for you, audience. What you if we marathon all the films we've seen over the years? Oh, God. That'll never happen. Do you Ooh. remember we, The Shining? We, we, we would be two days past never. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, well, with that, it's a perfect blue because you guys are going out of my life for another few weeks. <laughs> I'll be perfectly blue. But before we go, (laughs) where can we reach our audience on social media? Uh, You can find me over on Twitter at ManWhoWearsHats or on Instagram at MZBroJr or follow my video game podcast Inside the Gamer Stronghold with, I I, uh, believe (laughs) next episode it will... uh, who knows? Who knows? Well, well, I don't know. Because you don't. Well, who, <laughs> I know. Who, who, know, you? who knows when this episode will go up? So in that, in that time frame. Two weeks. Yeah. Well, I'll, now I'll, on it. I'll have somebody. Yeah. So every, it's every Friday. So nice. I'll hold you to that. I mean, it, uh, so far, it's, it's that consistent. I'm, I'm the not, one that's pressing Mark. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? It just it never comes out on the right time that I want it to, mm. just because schedule wise, it, mm. I'm going pretty out of my See, mind. See if I look up the word consistent in the dictionary, it <laughs> you says won't find at, nightcaps. Yeah, at the oh, you lay off nightcaps. I try my best. Uh, but continue. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm done. Okay. Uh, my name is Matt. For maybe you can find me uh, dancing on top of streetlights and. Uh, basking in the glow of a nice truck wearing business suits yep. and blue jeans coming at me 60 miles an hour it's not 69 60, I was right to say that we, could, right. we could edit that Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me Jonathan Gwykowski at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram drink and read JK on Twitter you can follow my other if you like anime at Nightcaps at the Theater why not try to watch a little more anime with Ooh. my other podcast anime it was not a mistake where we take a look at Studio Ghibli, Miyazaki, and others in a retrospective series determining whether or not anime is a mistake or not. You know um, what I just thought flows pretty well? I like the name 
eat the cake was not a mistake. <laughs> eat the cake was not a mistake. Anime. Uh, yeah. Anime. <laughs> uh, well, with that, remember, rate, review, and subscribe if you made it this far. We really appreciate it. Love you all. Sayonara. But does anyone have a hint for next time? Ooh, I do. <gasps> uh, I'm now deciding right off the top of my head because I'm in between choices. A movie. Do it. Just pick. Oh. Do it. Do it. You could always switch my, yeah, switch yours. I've done that before. Oh. Or make the hint apply for both movies. True. <laughs> make it it's big an, enough. It's an anime. Yeah. Damn. See, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Uh, and remember, you know it doesn't have to be from Jap. It doesn't have to be Japanese animation. Yeah, yeah. I want to specify well, that. That's what I was like trying to like. I was yeah. A little bit indecisive. Because remember, that. I was going to do Disney's Fantasia, which is the most white <laughs> thing hmm. ever. And. Okay, yeah. All right. I know what I'm, I know what I'm uh I'm going to do. So my hints are uh this feat, this film has a heavy 80s soundtrack okay. behind it. Uh features uh the death of a popular character, but also the death deaths actually of a couple other big name actors uh, prior to the movie coming out. Hmm. Wow, so that's a big hint. That is but big I don't hint. know it. Me neither. I'm lost. Yeah. Well, sayonara. We'll have to find out next time. <laughs> yep. On nightcaps at the theater. Moshi moshi. <laughs> That's the phone greeting. Oh. All right, you bunch of movie-loving booze hounds. It's last call. You heard me last call. What do you mean? Who do you think you are? It's me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, your resident nightcaps at the theater co-host, bartender, movie podcast curator, and pretentious cinema snob. Nightcaps at the theater, yeah, that's right. Oh, you heard of it? Well then, friend, let me top you off. It's thanks to people like you that this little show of ours can make it into the final reel week to week. How else could Mark fund his Funko Pop addiction or Mac create a new internet handle every episode to avoid the FBI? We can't thank you lovelies enough, but why not keep the party going? Do you want to have a conversation on campy cult classics, question foreign flicks, or massacre movie monstrosities? Then look no further. Reach out to us on social media. You can follow our humble little podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Nightcap Cinema. And if you aren't listening to us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, whatever, and rating, reviewing, and for goodness sake, subscribing, well then, we might have to tell Aunt Ida to put some cha-cha heels on to kick your ass. I think I talked your ear off enough, though. But put that wallet away. This last nightcap is on us. <laughs>